So I think uh, at the end of May, we, we had uh, Costa Mitchell came up and, and he was talking about identity and, and just in conversation and our time together. And one of the key things, and I, I don't think we need to, we, we mustn't forget this. One of the key things that happened on that weekend was uh, Zelani was nominated for eldership. And I'm sure in the next very short while, uh, we'll have him up here and we'll be praying for him and uh, ordaining him as an elder and surreptor. And we need to know how groundbreaking that is in the Upper Highway area. It is a phenomenal thing that's happening. And so keep praying for Zelani and Pumi because coming into leadership in any, in, in, into eldership, there is a, there is a, a battle which we fight, which is always trying to disrupt and, 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 uh, break down. But uh, Zolani is putting his hand up, and that's absolutely wonderful. Out of our time with Costa and, and from, our, uh, from my sabbatical, uh, we got together a group of uh, people, called, and we've called them the Groundbreakers team, and, and uh, Jockey is a consultant facilitating, helping us uh, find each other, and it's, a, it's an amazing group because there's somebody in their 70s and there's somebody in their, in their 20s. So that's the, gr- the, the group. But most of them are young people. And it's a group of discipleship in which we are looking at, uh, at Sarepta and we're looking at trying to uh, train uh, the disciples in the way that they should go. We start with soup. We start with food. And it's an amazing thing. And it's amazing how just even after, I think we've had... Have we had two or three sessions? Two sessions. After two sessions, how the unity and how we have come together as a group. And some of us, probably before that time, had hardly even said any words to each other. And, and it's, been, it's been absolutely wonderful. We've been, uh, this last time we looked at uh, the current state of Sarepta and where Sarepta is. And uh, there's a thing called a SWOT analysis, and we looked at our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats. Uh, and it's been it's, it's an exciting process. And so what I'm feeding back today, and Doki's going to preach, and he'll share a little bit, I think, about this. But it's exciting to see uh, what God is doing in us. And at the same time as all this has happened, uh, going back uh, six weeks, Jockey and Milan and myself have been meeting uh, once a week. Sometimes James Carney has been with us. He has been inputting as well. And we've been meeting once a week for uh, from about 8.30 to 11.30, 12 for just uh, input. And we've looked at some strength finders and some personality tests. And, and mostly we get hijacked by Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been inputting into, into our lives and uh, the people that need transformation more than anybody is probably uh, myself and my good wife. Well, I better not speak for you. I might get in trouble with that one. So we, we've, we've had these processes. And I just want to actually keep you informed because one of and I have to ask for forgiveness at Sarepta, probably one of, our, one of our weaknesses has been communication, knowing what is going on. So we want to do this on a regular basis. Jockey and Greg and myself will input back into you. And then also what Jockey is going to be doing is also just walking and working with the, with the eldership team. And so we're on an exciting journey. 
as, as, as we look to the Lord in the future to see what he's going to do with us and through us. And what we really need to know, my heart and my passion is that each of us is conformed into the image of Jesus. So in it all, in all the things that we do, at the end of the day, do we look more like Jesus? When we talk about discipleship and disciples making disciples, what kind of disciples are we making? We need to be making disciples who follow Jesus, who walk with Jesus. And that starts with you and us. And we have an amazing uh, uh, potential in God to make a difference, not only in, in the families represented here, but in the community that we live as we walk with Jesus, as we follow Jesus. And so I'm going to ask uh, Jockey to come and share now. Just to respond to what Alan has just said, uh, I mean, Greg started to share about a month or so ago, and already this has escalated and changed. And uh, my commitment to you is that I will try and keep you updated as far as it's in my power. But my request to you is for your prayers. Uh, prayers that Jesus will lead the process. And it's not that we will do this and visit this city and do this thing, but if it is God's will, that it will be his program and his plan. And then I plead, the third thing is, please be patient with us. <laughs> We're just human. But be impatient with the Lord. Push into him, press into him. If you need to bring something to my attention, by all means, send me an email. Get my email address from the office. My heart in all this is that it will not be something that will involve a, a team of 14 people. But it will be something that we will discover the heart of Jesus for Sarepta going forward. And it will involve all of you. And therefore I ask for your prayers. Um, I would like to start by praying, if we will, please. Lord, we come to submit to you. We come to resist the devil so that he may flee from us. We come near to you, God, so that you would come near to us. We come to confess, Lord, that we have nothing except for you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Take charge and have your way. Lord Jesus, you said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I pray that you will change our logical and intellectual thinking into kingdom thinking. For as a man thinks, so he is. We may have many plans, Lord, but let your plans come to fruition. Change our hearts, change our minds as we fellowship in your presence. Build your church, Lord Jesus. And help us to make disciples. I pray for every member in this congregation to hear your voice and to fulfill their purpose and destiny in your plan. Lord, we pray for the lost to be saved around us. We pray for the transformation of our community. We pray for the rule of your kingdom. 
that you will come and heal our land, Lord Jesus. And everyone that agrees can say Amen. 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 So, as we were busy with the worship, um, I became aware of something which has really thrown me. And it is part of what I want to share at the end this morning. But I realize I have to start there, so I'm on my last page. Um, what I became aware of is that it says Jesus is forever making intercession for us. So what do you think he is praying? And the realization that struck me, he said, I'm praying that they may be one. Mandy, can you give us that John 17 verse, please? I've given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We want to reach the world. We pray for Zolani as he goes on Wednesday. We want to see transformation in our country, in our society. And Jesus says there is a key to it. If they but will be one, then the world will believe that you have sent me, Father. So what does the word devil mean? It means to throw apart and to separate. And when I was in the shower this morning, God always speaks to me in the shower. I don't know why. I had finished all this. But when I was in the shower, I'm contemplating this separation. The, the, the devil comes to separate. And it dawned on me that I think there's a spirit of division over this land. Think of the word apartheid. Think of the racism in our country. Think of the squabbles. I mean, from my Afrikaans, you can have two boers, but they will differ. And they want to each be on their own farm. They struggle to work together. And the irony is that our, what do you call it, under the coat of arms? It says unity is strength. In spite of that statement, and knowledge, the division still happened. So my awareness this morning as I was sitting there and realized I have to start from another angle, is Jesus was saying to me, I am praying for oneness, for unity, for you in Sarepta today. Amen. He's making intercession for us. The only way to overcome evil, 
the devil is about, what does he want to get? It's a power struggle. Satan is about power. And how do we overcome that? Jesus overcame it with humility and weakness. Naked on a cross. Helpless. And he defeated him. He defeated his humility and weakness. He went there. He didn't defend himself. He just hung there. And in that moment, the power of the enemy was broken. Psalm 133, 1-3 says, God commands a blessing, even life forevermore, where brothers dwell in unity. One man chase a thousand to put, ten thousand to flight. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, it says his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So God took the Jews and the Gentiles and he reconciled them in that one moment to become one body. And he's the head. We are supposed to be the body reconciled to Christ. And the vastness of our differences doesn't make a difference to him. And the thing is, we can't make and manufacture that oneness. It is something that Jesus achieved by placing us in him and dying so that we may die with him and rise with him in oneness. And so, the picture that I had in talking about this oneness, I was thinking of Jesus like being a conductor. And we are the orchestra. Does that make sense to you? It's totally wrong. We're not the orchestra. We're the instruments. Dead, lifeless pieces of metal and wood and string. And the Holy Spirit is the orchestra. And he plays each one of us to make the tune. So if we want to try and be the orchestra, we will create havoc. We have to die and become that lifeless instrument. That Jesus can blow life in through his spirit. So for me that is what I want to see. That is what I live for. That is what I pray for. And, and this morning I'm aware Jesus is praying for that. So, excuse me, let me just find <clears throat> So, can we read together Luke 24? Thirteen to twenty-one. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. I wonder why. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And if we carry on reading, some women have come and now confused us by saying that the grave is empty and stuff like that. We had hoped, but when we look at South Africa, we had hoped, but when we can look at our business or at our marriage or at our church or at Sereta and say, we had hoped in my lifetime. We would see revival. We would see something special, but we're not where we have hoped to have been. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. But the longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I think many of us can identify with the disillusionment of these two men. You know, we're growing old and we had hoped to see the Lord Jesus come. And maybe I'm going to go before he's going to come. With many others, they had such high hopes that Jesus would do more. Some of us are upset about things that have changed in our country, in our community, even in the church. Some of us are upset about things that haven't changed. We can be frustrated and angry, I'm told. And we had hoped in our day that Jesus would do something spectacular. The, the interesting thing is, as we walk down this road in our lives, in our country, in our community, in our church, what happened with these two fellows as they were working, walking? Jesus came and walked to them. And what was the problem? They missed it. They did not realize that Jesus Christ is walking with me and talking with me. In my depression. In my trouble. In my 
disillusionment, in my frustration, Jesus is saying, what are you talking about? Tell me about it. And we miss it. At school we used to have this, you know, when somebody's not... We used to do this, he's just... Uh, and then, they, he wants to go on and they say, no, 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 stay with us. And then when he breaks the bread and gives thanks... Wow, it's you. The moment they got religious, oh, now we get religious. We can see it's Jesus. But when they're walking and talking, what did they miss? They missed the resurrected Christ. They were focusing on the historic Christ that died three days ago. And they missed the resurrected one that was walking with them. So we can easily become like Martha. Martha was, you know, one of those people, when she opens her mouth, what does she put in? Her foot. Jesus, her brother died, and she confronts Jesus. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know whether she knew that he lingered for four days or not. Maybe it came around by the grapevine. But if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What was Jesus' response to her? <laughs> Among other things, if you believe, you will see the, the glory of God. And among other things, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. She missed it too. I mean, we attempted to think that if only we could turn back the clock like Martha. If only, if only, if only, if only Jockey could finish so that we can have tea. <laughs> uh, if only we could turn back the clock. Uh, Maybe some people would say, if only Jonathan was here. I mean, we're so used to him for 40 years or how many? 50 years he was here. But now, if only, if only people would see it my way. If I could have my way. So Martha, she, she goes beyond that in another occasion when she's with Jesus. Uh, she's cooking and she says, Lord. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And she now manages Jesus. Tell her to help me. Tell this lazy, stupid girl to get off her butt and come and help me. I am really sweating here. And there's so much to do. What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you worried and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the better half, the better thing, and it will not be taken away from her. And she's not the only guy. There was another guy who came to Jesus and said, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. When we're disillusioned, we're struggling, we want to get in command mode. 
We're like Peter when we walked on the water and he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at his circumstances. What happened? He sank. And so often, I mean, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Very, very, very prophetic words. In this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. So, in our troubles, where do we look? We have to not step into the trap of letting our gaze slip. Just a few meters down, because we'll sink. I empathize with you, really. We can so easily start to think like the world. I mean, I go to gym some mornings. You wouldn't say so, but at Kluif. And when you come out of the gym, so it's around 6, 6.15, 6.20 when I come out of the gym, there's a little biltong shop. Do you know it? Yeah. On the corner there. And in front of the biltong shop, there's a, 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 a lotto stand. You know, with the, the, the Powerball and the lotto and whatever. And they with chalk, they fill in what it is, the jackpot currently. So I come out of the gym, I'm fairly tired, I walk past this, and the lotto is 60 or 70 million. This is about less than a month ago. And I express my if only. In my mind, I just think, if only I could win this lotto. You know, so many things will change. And before I was out of the building, the Lord confronted me. The Lord confronted me. Really? Would you rather have the lotto? Or me? Do you really think I cannot provide for you? I said, Lord, sorry, sorry, forget that. <laughs> Delete. 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 And I'm not sure whether I should say the rest, but I have shared with one or two people, but within less than a week from that day, I had a massive financial windfall that I had totally blindsided me and humiliated me. Because I humbled me, because I knew God is able to do exceedingly more abundantly what I can ask or even imagine. So, there's this saying that Nero was fiddling while Rome was burning. And I'm sometimes concerned that we might be fiddling while the communities around us are burning without Jesus. People are going to hell while we're having this service here. How many people die a day without Jesus? Seriously. I think we owe our lost community, or the lost in our community, a representation of Jesus where he is the head and we are the body and we are one. And this is what I, I believe God is fighting for this morning and praying for 
and wrestling for, and so am I. And you, you've heard me before, I, I, this is my, my passion and my cry. And I, I now want to invite you to some different perspectives. So if we've, let's do it on this side. So on the other side. We can either walk in this disillusionment and, and, and sense of hopelessness and, or deferred hope. Or we can stand in faith. Think of the two people in the Bible, Simeon and Anna. What were they doing? Where were they looking? They had the sense that God was going to do something spectacular in their day. Simeon believed the Holy Spirit would show him that he would not die before he would see the salvation of the Lord. And that day he knew he had to go to the temple and there he met the baby Jesus. And he prophesied and spoke over him and said, Lord, it's okay now, you can take me. I'm done. I've seen your salvation. And Anna, they said she was married for seven years and then stuck and lived at the temple like that from then on when her husband died, on and on and on and on and on. And she was there at the same time and saw the salvation of the Lord. Just imagine what God can do through me and you in this day and age. Just imagine. I mean, if you think of it this way, think of a mighty tree. Would you rather be the mighty tree or would you rather be a matchstick? You know, they cut up that tree and they make a million matches out of it. Which one would you like to be? The tree is majestic, it's beautiful, it's powerful, it's alive. The match is dead. But you know, in the hand of the master, he can light a fire that will burn down forests of trees. One match that catches fire in the hand of the master. Will you be that match? How do you feel if you embrace that vision? Doesn't it raise hope in our hearts? Lord, come grab us, strike us. Jeremiah 29, 11-14 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. To give us a hope and a future. God wants us to have that hope. The hope is for now. Like Abram who lived with this vision of the city of God where he was going. Although he didn't get it then. The future is for later. You know that, don't you? We will have a future with him. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will speak, seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. 
Has that happened in our lifetime? Since 1948, the Jews are being collected. God is faithful to his word. But today we can have a hope and a future. So how do we how do we do this? I, I'm going to just read some bullets and, and then I want to, us to engage in warfare. So the first thing is when we start seeing ourselves in the light of God, the first response is, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for saying, if only I could win the lotto. Father, forgive me for saying, if only. Father, forgive me for missing you. And then, number two is when we are ready to break the agreements that we made with the enemy. On this camp that we went to with Darrell, John Eldridge speaks about this and he's brought it again to my attention. And I've sort of, it's faded a bit into the background for me, but it's been highlighted again. And uh, I mean, if you think of Eve, the enemy suggested that God was holding back on them. And the moment she agreed that really God is holding out, there's something more that he's not giving us. The moment she agreed with the enemy, she dumped the whole world into sin. Think of Mary. An angel came and spoke to her and said, this is what God says. What did Mary do? She agreed with God. And what happened? She bore the Messiah into the world. And you can bring Jesus into the world when you agree with God. And we've got to break the agreements with the enemy. So agreements like, we can have agreements about God, so God cannot provide for me. Huh? I have to break that agreement. Father, forgive me. In the name of Jesus, I break the agreement that you cannot provide. I know you are my source. Agreements about myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not young enough. Uh, I can go on and on and on and on and on. I'm not powerful enough. Like Moses, I can't speak well enough. That irritated God. And, and so we carry on and we make agreements. The enemy comes and suggests to us, you're too old. You haven't been trained. You're not a theologian. You're not this, you're not that. The moment we agree with him, we're paralyzed. So today I want, come back to this, to break these agreements. Think of them, the ones we've made. Now think of the ones... When the enemy comes to me and says, you know, uh, your wife, she's too old. Oh, I need something younger. You get my drift. The moment we believe the suggestion of the enemy, we come into agreement with him. And what happens? 
fall, all fall down. And when God says, I, you can do all things through me who gives you strength. When we come into that agreement, we do something different. So, number three, we have to forgive those who offend us. We have to cancel their debts. And this is the core of the gospel. Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And unless we do that, what happens to our forgiveness? Father, forgive us. We can be all fine, but I'm walking around angry. Huh? It doesn't work like that. We have to forgive. It's the core. Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Not because they came and asked, Jesus, will you forgive us? Nobody asked for forgiveness. They were stoning Stephen. And nobody said, Stephen, are you okay? Forgive me, I have to do this. Paul is watching. He said, Father, do not hold this against them. Um, and then we've got to count ourselves dead to sin. So I have a cartoon when I use in my workshops. Of a, it's, it's of a, a couple of couples sitting in a home group. Just a drawing. And the one lady said, I can't think that I have ever died to sin. I, I might have felt a bit faint once. <laughs> and that's often how close, as close we get to actually dying to self. We have to come to the place where we reckon ourselves dead. And how do we do that? In last year, I, I shared something about it in October. When I give up my right to myself, my right to control my life, my right to have it my way, my right to have a say, my right to have be heard, my right, my right, my right. All our rights become privileges. The only right we have is to be children of God. So, I think, Alan, you wanted to share something at this point. We've been going through a process with Jockey. And I have to stand before you, my brothers and my sisters, and ask for forgiveness for letting us drift as a community, as drift as a body. And I just want to honor all the people who've gone before, the Henrys, the Jonathans, the Nerdens, everybody who's gone before has made an impact. And sometimes we'd like to blame where we're at on anybody but ourselves. But I ask you to forgive me for our drifting, 
And so partly that's what this whole process has been about. It's been about bringing some intentionality. And I also need to ask for forgiveness for those of you who I might have offended in terms of just not hearing what you have said to me when you've come to me and I might have fobbed you off. So I just ask for forgiveness. But I'm excited what the Lord is going to do. Who was it who said there was going to be a swimming pool here? Someone said something about a swimming pool earlier, now in the service. Eileen, I love your mind. I don't know if anyone got it, but we were talking about this structure. It's a, it, it, it speaks of in progress. It speaks of building, it speaks of changing, it speaks of um, surgery. And I just had a picture of actually that swimming pool being a baptismal font. (laughs) And that's how we baptize in this church. You get to go up there and dive. (laughs) You will be fully immersed. Um, but that's kind of what my heart feels like. I feel like I'm having heart surgery. Heart surgery. Open (laughs) heart surgery. And I want to honor this man. He's amazing. For those who don't know, you are brave. Thank you. Thank you for your insight and your wisdom. And thanks for loving us. I want to say that um, when I was a little girl, (laughs) I used to um, go for piano lessons. I was about seven And my piano teacher was a by-the-book woman. And she insisted that I play the piece as it is on the page set before me. And I am not a by-the-book person. I love to shatter molds. And at the age of seven... I would try every week to play for her my new version of this piece. (laughs) And every week it was another version. And every week I would pay for it. And every week I would feel the constricting boundaries that I was being squashed into. I was a creative little one and there was a song in me and I was desperate to express it. But I was not permitted to. And there were key people in my life um, when I was a little girl who would tell me how to not think and how to not feel. School teachers, 
various people in my life. No, Mary Ellen, you don't think that. This is how you feel. And so I grew up a really, really um, hesitant, extremely shy child, close to my mother, um, and I was marked by fear. My mom needed to go to the loo. I would go in the loo with her in my own home. And as I grew into a young woman, and those key people walked away from my life through circumstances, I finished school, whatever the story, I found who I was, and I found a love for breaking the mold. And wherever I have worked in my life, particularly at St. Mary's, uh, where I was secretary, I asked if I could redo the administrative um, section of the school. And so in my process with this wonderful man, I have discovered um, he has helped me to see that I've realized that I've never been aware of the impact that I make when I feel cornered. Not when I am cornered, but when I feel it. And I just want to say to you that if you've been on the end of what I believe is rather passionate, exuberant behavior, please forgive me. Please forgive me for that. But please would you also pray for me? Because I don't want to stay there. I want to grow. I want to look like my Jesus. And I can only look like him if I look at him. So I trust that we will all together look at our Jesus and behold him. Are we in a place where we can pray together? I would like to ask you to stand with me. And today I want to practice warfare against the strategies of the enemy to bring division in our land, to bring division in our homes, to bring division in our lives, to bring division even in our church, in whatever way. And I want us to proclaim it aloud. So I do lots of ministry with people. But there's a power in it if you say it aloud with your own voice. Are you up for this? Okay. So I don't want to put anything on anybody. I would like you to say where you agree. So I'm going to say it and then please repeat if you agree. Father, we declare that we are your children. You have purchased us with your blood. We declare that our sins were scarlet, but you've made us white as snow. We declare that we are forgiven in Jesus. Father, forgive us where we have agreed with the enemy. 
where we've made a mess of it, where we've missed your presence. Father, we come to break the agreements with the enemy. Every agreement that is in conflict with who you are, we break in Jesus' name. Father, we know we've made many agreements with the enemy about ourselves. Forgive us, Father. We declare that we have been accepted in the Beloved. Today we accept ourselves as you have accepted us. We know that Jesus lives in us. And therefore we are worthy. And we know that your spirit dwells in us. And therefore we have power. In the name of Jesus. And now we break. Any and every curse. And every demonic assignment. That the enemy has sent against us. As people and as a community. In Jesus name. Father we forgive those we have offend, who have offended us. We break the power of bitterness. Over our lives. Over our community. And over our country Lord. We pray for a spirit of peace to reign over South Africa, to reign over us, and to reign over our church. In Jesus' name. Today, Lord, we give up our rights. We give up our agendas. And we come to submit to you. And we reckon ourselves dead. Dead to sin, dead to self, and dead to the world. Lord, help us to think with a kingdom mind. Renew our minds that we may be able to discern your will. In Jesus' name. And Father, today we thank you for Alan and Milan. We come to lift them up to you. Lord, they have humbled themselves. Won't you lift them up? Lord, raise them up. You have given them as a gift to us. You have called them in a particular way. You have given them gifts and talents. Lord, equip them to lead us. Lead us through them. We come to bless them in Jesus' name. We declare, Lord, together you have blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And we worship and praise you. 
Lord, we declare you have made us one in Christ. We can do nothing without you. But we can do all things through you who strengthens us. We thank you, Lord, for the authority that was lost at the fall that you have restored to us. In the name of Jesus, we claim our community and our country for the kingdom of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we break the power of division over our country, our community, our church, our marriages. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This day has been ordained from the beginning. Lord, as, as, a, as a family and as a body of believers, as the, the priesthood of believers, Lord, we lift up Milan and Alan to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you will re- release all the gifts that you've set aside for them upon them now, Lord. And Lord, as they walk forward with a vision and a purpose, that Father, they'll only, only do as you as Father will have them do. The ears will be open, Lord, and their eyes will be open to you, to the way of the Lord and the way of the Lord alone. So we praise you, Lord. Father God, as many of us here, we've known Alan and Milan for many, many, many years. And... They have spoken into our lives. They've encouraged us. Um, Our sons of 38 and 36 respectively know them well. And even though they're not here, um, speak of them and will always remember them. And that's what we are here. We are family. We are family. And I know at times families have splits and disagreements but that's the good old devil having his way and 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 I just I know that today today is a start of a new season in this family <laughs> a beautiful season an exciting season a season of growth and of mighty blessings we love this family We've seen people come and go as, as families have people come and go. But we are here and this is our family. And I thank you for Alan and Milan. And yes, none of us are perfect. We all have little dents and dings and faults and follies. The Lord, they have been there many years and we thank you for that we thank you for them we thank you for this family and I'm excited thank you Lord 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 Jesus your word says the Holy Spirit yearns jealously over us 
And Lord, you want us filled with your life and your spirit. You want us totally for yourself, not for anything else. And so, Lord, my prayer for Alan and Mary Ellen is bless them, fill them with yourself. Take them on a deeper walk with you. Lord, that's where life is. That's where holiness is. That's where beauty is. That's where you are, Lord. And, and that's your desire of your hearts, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that's my prayer for them today, Lord, to be filled with all the fullness of God. For your glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that there is not a mistake of having Milan and Allen in this place. Father, we trust you. We trust you, Lord, that you're the one that you in work in them. Father, we thank you that you're working in the background on these people's life. Lord, we may not see, but we have seen some stuff that they're doing for this community. And we want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for, for their servant's hardhood in, in worship and in ministering of this church. We want to say thank you. Lord, we want to acknowledge not all bad things that come, but we want to give glory to you and magnify and say thank you for Alain and Milan. And Father, I say it again. Cover them with the blood of Jesus. Cover them. And Lord, we know and we acknowledge and say, they're not doing work, they're just a downpipe as well. Lord, you're doing work. Lord, you're doing work. Lift them up in Jesus' name. Lift them up. Lord, things are not going to be the same. I pray that you transform crazy and think, Lord, that we don't even thinking what happened, unexpected things. Transform them. Do it, Lord. Do it. It's your church. It's not Milan. It's not Allen. It's your church. We call upon you and we say we thank you that you have appointed them. Have a car, <laughs> you know, a vehicle, and you two, the accelerator and the brakes, and sometimes you change places. <laughs> you know, but God's the steering wheel. And I think all of us are the wheels. <laughs> and I just get a picture of us really going down a road, going down a path. And it's not all gloomy and all work, work, work. It's actually people laughing, you know, arms out the window, waving. Uh, you know, it's, it's just go down the road. Sometimes stop, have a picnic. Other people climb in so the car is full and rattling on down the road. Um, I really have a picture of, of just, it's, it may be an old vehicle, but it's, it, what's happening is new. Mm. It's new. It's Thank full. You. And it's fun. Mm. It's not just all, mm, there's lots of laughter, lots of laughter. But God is steering this thing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and we're all with you. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to all the people who have been faithful intercessors for years and praying for God to bless this community. May you go in peace.